Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I am in a room right now that smells absolutely disgusting. It smells like death. And that's because I am in the rot room in the California Science Center. And in front of me, there is some kind of skeleton of a deceased animal that's just being chowed on by these little beetles. It's a very scary sight to see, but also fascinating that there are so many organisms that thrive off of the dead. Fungus, different bugs, different bacteria. I just want to dive headfirst into all that is rotten, gross, decaying. And like the sign says in the beginning of the exhibit, rot looks gross, but we can't live without it. So I have to learn more about this. Let's talk about it, shall we? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Little Curiosities. I'm your host, Kendall Long. Some of you may know me from a little show called The Bachelor. On that show, I was on a quest for love. I was trying to find the one. But on this podcast, I'm on a completely different quest, a quest for knowledge. Because remember, I was a taxidermy girl. I had all those dead animals that I collected. But the main reason why I collected them was because I study botany, zoology, entomology. And that's really what this podcast is all about. All those things that I find fascinating and that spark my curiosity. And then I'll research and learn something new and then share what I learn with you. It really is so much fun to make this podcast. And this is quite an interesting episode because, again, it's about something that you may think is gross and disgusting, but when you look deeper into it, it's actually quite dang fascinating. Welcome to Rot Month. And I say Rot Month because I'm going to be doing four episodes about rot. Why dedicate a whole month to rot, you may ask? Because it's everywhere and all around us. And without rot, we would cease to exist. Plus, when I started exploring through this rot research graveyard, I just kept digging deeper and deeper, and I couldn't leave out one slimy, decomposing tidbit of knowledge. So I decided to split it up into four lovely episodes for you. And I really do hope you enjoy this rot foragey, forlogy. How do you call it? Quadruplets of, uh, of rot episodes. I put a lot of hard work into researching all that is rot and decomposing. And it was really fun to dive into all of that. But for the first episode of this rot month, I decided to start from the very beginning. First question I asked myself when researching for these episodes, what is rot? What is the difference between a freshly purchased loaf of bread from the grocery store 
or one that has been chillin' in the back of my pantry for a while, and now has acquired a dappling of blue fuzzy stuff. The difference is rot. Rot is the journey of decay, the process of dead organic substances being broken down into smaller and smaller bits of organic and inorganic matter. Put simply, it's a thing that happens after living things become unliving. There are many tiny organisms that help with this process, but before we get into all that is rot, I took to Instagram to ask all of you what you thought of rot. I asked questions, comments, curiosities, give me the dirty deets on decomposition. And these are just a few of the lovely moldy comments I unburied. One of you said, how many different kinds of mold? And to this question I say, no one knows for sure, but there are a lot. I get more into the specifics of the different types of mold and fuzzy stuff later on in this episode, so put a pin in that question for now. Another one of you inquired, is it, meaning rot, necessary for future life to emerge? Absolutely. Decomposition is the key in recycling a certain chemical element that is basically the physical basis of all life on Earth. Not to be dramatic, but can you guess what that chemical is? Anyone? Anyone? We'll see if you're right later in the episode because I definitely dive deeper into that. And lastly, quite a few of you were very interested in the difference between fermentation and rot, asking, how is fermentation different than rot, and the difference between rotting and decomposing? The answer is, there quite literally is no difference between the two, aside from preference. If we like how things decay, we call it fermentation, such as alcohol and blue cheese, and if we don't, we call it rot, the stuff that's inside of our garbage cans. These are only just a few of the comments and questions that are inspiring this episode you're listening to right now. For those of you that want to join in on the conversation, I always ask your thoughts and hint towards what a future episode might hold on my Instagram stories, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. For those of you who don't know where to find me, my Instagram is at itskendallong. Don't be a stranger. Jump on in to this garbage can of knowledge, because <laughs> we're talking about rot, so I guess garbage can is fitting. But mostly I don't put garbage on my Instagram. I swear. There's cool stuff. And peeps, I love hearing what you have to say and the questions you may have because those are what really inspire me to go down different rabbit holes that I potentially could never think about. And those comments earlier were just a few examples of that. And without them, I probably wouldn't have thought to answer those questions. So thank all of you who were a part of this episode. So without further ado, let's get to the very first episode of Rot. Rot. It's something that happens all around us, and yet we're seemingly unaware of the tiny creatures responsible for the decay in our lives. Anyone who owns Tupperware has most likely had an up-close and personal experience with this nasty business of decomposition, and this happens to me quite often with my forgetful brain, for instance, I recently left out of town on a trip to Yuva River. It was beautiful. It's kind of like a natural water park where you can go under rock tunnels and down rock slides. It's such a great spot. But while I was there, guess what I forgot? 
I forgot that I had a whole Tupperware of curry that I had made. And when I came back, there was a surprise for me in the back of my fridge. And boy, oh boy, when I went to peek inside that long-forgotten leftover plastic casket, I saw a transformed alien world with snowy hills of fuzzy white and wrinkled blue mountains peeking up from a slimy forest of army green. My delicious curry was now taken over by something not so appetizing, molt. I can't have an episode of Rot without mold. Mold is everywhere. All of you have seen mold, probably in the most unfortunate places in your fridge. But what exactly is mold? The answer is that molds are microscopic fungi that live on plant and animal matter. And there are many different kinds of mold. That's why we see different colors and textures spreading on our rotten food, like the landscape in my curry. If you're anything like me, you are curious just how many different species of fungi exist. And I regret to inform you that no one really knows for sure. But some researchers guesstimate tens of thousands to perhaps 300,000 or more different types of fungus. That's more than 55 times the amount of mammalian species we know to exist on our planet Earth. Like most fungi, molds are thread-like organisms that eat organic matter, including the things in the back of your fridge that you said you would eventually get to. Some things like my curry. Again, I'm sorry. It was a waste. It was delicious. I'm a good curry maker. And when you pick up that last wrinkly lemon at the bottom of your fruit bowl and turn it over, only to see a dust of bluish green, this colored powdery material isn't just one organism. It's made up of millions and millions of tiny mold organisms. To see just one mold organism, you would need a microscope. When you look at mold magnified, it looks like a round bulb on top of a stem. Kind of like a plant, even. In fact, scientists used to think that they were plants, but mold can't create its own food from the sun like plants can. And it doesn't quite fit into the animal category either. In fact, it's a completely different group altogether. This special grouping gets its own separate category called fungi. Yes, including mushrooms like the ones we eat on pizza. I love mushroom pizza. And I love eating mushroom pizza. And just like... When I chow down on one of those triangle slices of goodness, I know how that happens. I have a mouth. I know how plants eat, they photosynthesize and soak up all that sun goodness. But how do fungi eat? This question becomes even more complicated when you discover that they don't even have a mouth and they can't digest like animals do, nor can they use photosynthesis like plants. And don't worry, I did find the answer for you loves, but it ain't pretty. Because as it turns out, fungi don't have stomachs, and it's because of this they must digest their food before it can pass through the threads that form the body of the fungus, aka the hyphae. So in this way, fungi consumes by absorbing nutrients from the environment around them. They do this by excreting juices containing chemicals that break down organic matter into very small pieces, like molecule small. These molecules are so small that they can be absorbed right into the body of the fungus. And this kind of sounded gross to me, because imagine rolling in your own food and excreting digestive enzymes and just, like, slurping it up through your skin. I'm sorry for that picture that I put in your brain. I deeply regret it. 
And look, just like my weenie dog pistachio, mold isn't picky when it comes to what it eats. It could live on and consume anything that was once alive or was made from once living plant materials. This includes your summer straw hat, that wood bookshelf you picked up at the garage sale, or the guitar you tucked down into the attic, along with your stuffed animals made of organic material like cotton or wool. They are all prey for mold. And mold is mobile. It gets around. It's moving. Mold spreads by producing spores. Spores are microscopic biological particles that are the key in allowing fungi to reproduce. These little baby-making particles are transported by water from things like rain, by animals or insects. Think when a fly lands on your taco when you're just about to eat it. Yeah, it's landing spores on there as well. Or by air. Spores spread from place to place in the air like seeds blowing from the dandelion you just picked to make a wish. And there are more spores in the air than you might think. On average, there's usually around 1,000 to 10,000 fungal spores in every cubic meter of air. In every breath, we take in around 1 to 10 spores. Think about that. For sure, 10 spores are now in my lungs, waiting to infest and grow inside me. Actually, no. Fortunately, these spores that you breathe in most likely will not do any harm. Breathing in extensive mold-contaminated air can cause allergies and respiratory problems. But the few we suck in while we breathe normally isn't enough to hurt us. Though you're never completely safe because under the right conditions, some mold can produce mycotoxins that are poisonous substances that can make you very sick. Side note, if you're still like, ick, mold, I refuse to take another breath, an air purifier in every room of your house should help, but uh, we're incredibly outnumbered, peeps. And is it just me or does that sound a little excessive? I can't be one to talk because I have a humidifier though it probably does more in creating mold than getting rid of mold. But I talk a lot during these podcasts, and it helps my voice. <laughs> so, alas, it stays. And to put your minds at ease just a little bit more with all of the mold that's floating in your air, these are the top three most common types of mold that are in the space of your home right now. So the first one is aspergillus. It doesn't do any harm to people with healthy immune systems, though those that do have a weak immune system can get an infection in their lungs or sinuses. The second kind is cladosporium, which doesn't cause any disease in humans. So again, that one's relatively harmless. And the last one, penicillium, which is the type of mold we use in the production of cheese, like gorgonzola, camembert, blue, just to name a few tasty kinds of cheeses that owe their wonderful, rich bluishness or their moldiness to penicillium. So we know these spores are out there in the air we breathe, but how do these spores spread to make more wonderful bits of mold and rot? They will most likely land on an organic structure, say my curry for instance, probably during the time I was eating it to be honest, which is kind of gross to think about. A few pesky spores will land on its surface and start their dirty work. They will germinate, which means they'll begin to grow and put out shoots creating hyphae. Remember earlier in the podcast when I mentioned those strings that absorb nutrients for the fungus? Those are hyphae, and these hyphae act as the root of rot. 
They send out fine strands to explore the crevices of their new meal-slash-home. The hyphae will then colonize together to produce mycelium. Mycelium is the fuzzy stuff you see when you open up your forgotten Tupperware. It's the visible part of mold, and if you see the visible part of mold, it's probably already too late for whatever it has decided to spread upon and gobble up. Because if you're seeing mold, that's only half the story. You can't just cut off the moldy parts because the hyphae are already anchored in pretty dang deep. No, there is no taking off the blue fuzzy bits and saving that sandwich for later. Plus, if you're seeing the mycelium, chances are spores are floating in there as well. This is because once the mycelium is created, some of the individual hyphae develop spores on their ends. On a side note, if you see a moldy citrus, all hope may not be lost. I myself have a habit of keeping lemons and remembering to use them only after they have molded. And the reason why they could be safe to consume when you see mold is because citrus fruit has a tough skin. And hyphae has a hard time traveling through that rough layer and penetrating into the fruit. If you do see the fuzzy blue stuff, you could get away with cutting off about two inches and using the rest of the lemon. Believe me, I have done this and so far, so good. I need to find some wood so I can knock on it. Okie dokie, so back to mold's life cycle. So the mold is visible and now is armed with spores. For those of you that don't know, spores are cells that produce asexually in fungi. Some plants like ferns also have spores. These spores are then released into the air on a quest to search for a new home or a curry to destroy. I'm still salty about that. And the life cycle continues onward indefinitely. Okay, okay, so I know I've been ragging on rot. A lot. But let's can it with the decomposing hate for now, because at the end of the day, rot is great. Why? Rot allows for the matter of plants and animals and other living organisms to be recycled. That's a good word. That's a positive word. We are fans of recycling here at Little Curiosities. And this way, materials in the environment are able to get used over and over again. Not only does bacteria and mold break down organic matter to consume, they also release minerals like water and carbon dioxide into the environment around them, which is a very good thing for plants because that's basically their favorite stuff. It's what they use to thrive on. They use water and carbon dioxide, plus a little bit of sun love, to make food for themselves. And in turn, plants grow and become food for all walks of life, including ourselves. Animals that eat these plants will eventually die, and the whole process starts all over again. Matter is never just gone or disappears. It is constantly going through this cycle to enrich our ever-growing, evolving environment. And okay, I get it. Decomposing may be enough to make your skin crawl, but if things don't rot, our world would be in a whole lot of trouble. First off, plants would die out because they would run out of that delicious carbon dioxide and water they need for food. Plus, the minerals they need to grow strong and healthy would also be depleted. Herbivores would then die because they wouldn't have enough plants to eat. Carnivores would also die because they wouldn't have enough animals to prey upon. Even if eating was not an issue at all, 
none of the dead or dying plants or animals would recycle, since no decomposers such as bacteria and fungus would eat them. So these dead organisms and their waste would just pile up until there would be no space left for the living. I shudder at the thought of such a world. So let's keep that recycling life and celebrate rot for the truly magnificent process that it is. After all, nothing lasts forever, which is both awful and great news. And that concludes our very first episode on rot. Remember, there's going to be three more. This is the month of rot. I hope you're all excited. Thank you for listening to Little Curiosities. I really enjoy making these and getting that chance to learn something new with each exciting topic that comes up on this quest for knowledge that this podcast is. Make sure you tune in next week as I unearth yet another moldy, infested episode on rot. So much to know, so little time. If you like this episode, uh, make sure you share with everyone you know, because the more you share, the more support this podcast has. And it's a relatively new podcast, so anything you can do to help get the word out about Little Curiosities really means so much to me. I love doing this, and I want to keep doing this. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I will catch you next time when we will most definitely be talking about something that you at first might think is gross and disgusting, but the point of this podcast is that at the end of it, you'll think it's so cool because the world is full of really awesome stuff that gets seen as disgusting because it's not fully understood. And rot is one of those things. So that's why this series is really special to me. It just encompasses everything that I believe about getting to know more about the world around us as opposed to snubbing our noses at it and just trying to block it out or push it out of our existence because our existence, as you found out, depends heavily on things like rot. So enough ranting for now. I will see you guys next week and we will talk about rot. Adios. Little Curiosities with Kendall Long is a Q-Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Will Tendy. Music by Kendall Long and Will Tendy. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so, join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast.